Hello there, I am Kid Champagne Matthew Haberman, and we're back for another edition of Nostalgia Time with Kid Champagne. I'm your host, Kid Champagne Matthew Haberman. We are here now to close up our Horror Month conversations. We went back, now, what what it is, this is part two of Popping the Champagne for Friday the 13th. Yes, it was so much to discuss that we just have to continue this on another night, and tonight is that night. I'm your host, Kid Champagne Matthew Haberman, and I have my great horror fan buffs with me tonight. First, my good friend, the host of Unger the Radar, my good friend, Randy Unger. How are you? I'm good, Matt. How are you tonight? I'm doing well. I'm doing really, really well. And I just, you know... Just want to let you know, everyone, that um, Unger the Radar is now on Manhattan Neighborhood Network. It just premiered this week, and we, I would be happy to be the first episode on that, along with Randy on Manhattan Neighborhood Network. We discussed some great films, the Borat, the subsequential movie film, and the remake of The Witches. And there's going to be more to come. It's on Under the Radar, Manhattan Neighborhood Network, on Mondays at 11 a.m. How do you feel, Randy? How's it going with that show on Manhattan Neighborhood Network? It's it's great, you know, especially with the pandemic. It's nice to have, like, new life breathed into my show. Um, it's been a number of months since I've done a show uh, like this, movie reviews. So it's really exciting, and it's a really fun adventure so far and i just hope people can enjoy it awesome also with me i have my horror fan buff with me um big time jason horror film fan uh thomas puglisi thomas how are you i'm good glad to be back that's good i know we missed you last week when we discussed Hocus Pocus, I'm glad to have you back on for our part two. Um, you've been a resident in this horror month, and I hope to have you on as our guest for our horror weeks that will be going in through the rest of the year. Yep, I'll definitely be on. Awesome. And also, my, I guess, my old college friend and also the head of the Facebook group, The Horror is a Way of Life. Also, the winner of the Nostalgia Time Halloween Costume Contest of 2020, my good friend, Kimberly Schwartz. Kimberly, how are you? I'm doing good, man. I'm glad to be here tonight. Awesome. And I, I just want to know, do you have any ideas of what you're going to be hosting for your show? And also, we have put this in there. Also, your daughter will be on as a co-host as well. I hope that she is excited as well. Oh, she's super excited. I went and told her after the last show that you guys said she could be on there, and she, like, freaked out screaming, like, oh, my God, oh, my God, I'm so excited to be on there. So, and, yeah, we both have some ideas, but I know you don't want to know them yet. So. No, I, I, I don't want to be known until we do that show, which will be coming after holiday month, and holiday month yep. is coming up, and we have some great, Reviews and, and just want to let you know on holiday month there is a horror week on there and we will be discussing the Gremlins franchise. Yes. So that's our horror week for in holiday month. We're discussing Gremlins. Awesome. 
So let's begin on to this, you know, where we left off with Friday the 13th. Now, you know, it's one of my favorite franchises to watch. Of It's one of my favorite slasher films to watch of horror. Actually, um, like I said, we all are fans of Jason, aren't we? Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Always have been. Probably my favorite uh, monster, movie monster, I'd say. Yeah, definitely. And one thing is for sure about this is, you know, um, I've been doing in some research on this and the kills, you know, there's been so many slasher films. You know, we have all the famous slashers. You have Leatherface. You have Freddy Krueger. You have... Um, Michael Myers. Michael Myers. And even... Um, I'll just put this out there, even though it's put, uh, Jaws. But let me just tell you one thing. In all these movies, not all, in the most kills of all the slashers that have, it is Jason. Am I correct on that one? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Nearly 200. Nearly 200. So if you have the statistics... Uh, let me just put this up here. Um, does anyone know the statistics... Um, I have to look them up, but I know Jason's on top. I feel like it's 150-something, 158, something like that. I think that's right, 158. So we have it for the slashers of all time. I actually have it here. So LA Weekly put this out here that they have what it is. Jason has over almost it's 157 kills oh we were close (laughs) yeah under that is Michael Myers with a coming in at 98 and then um under that um (laughs) We have Freddy Krueger at 70. And the list, and it goes down uh, further with that. With Actually, the Jaws Shark got 40 kills. 40. Wow. So that's interesting. Insane. I thought that would be more. Hmm? <laughs> I thought Jaws would, do, would, have, would have had more kills. Interesting. Well, there hasn't been a Jaws movie out since uh, last one. Jaws the Revenge. I mean, it that could be a possible remake. Well, actually, they had remaked as the Meg or whatnot. <laughs> right. Hey, but Jaws will be a nostalgia time topic, I think, come Memorial Day. <laughs> Let me begin the summer. So, last off, I mean, for what it is, we have been dis- discussing it in depth and for all the films, so I just want to be, um, just so that we get in, um, back to for a little refresher, um, what, so first off, um, I want to know what is Jason to you guys? (laughs) Kim, I'll start with you. Uh, Jason to me is just one of those iconic characters that 
has defined horror movies throughout the years. Um, like you said, he's on top, 157 kills. He's got a ton of different movies out there, including, you know, one, um, the one remake or reboot, whatever you call it, plus Freddy vs. Jason. And it's just like, he's, he's like the, the badass, I guess, of the horror movie world and stuff you know you tell any you ask anybody like you know tell me a horror movie slasher and stuff nine times out of ten people say jason it's like the first one i feel like that always comes to mind i so actually i want to be honest with you i'm going to put this this is actually a correction the total kill count for jason Voorhees is actually um, more than that. Oh, no. <laughs> oh, yeah. Uh, 181 total kills. Oh, there we go. Wow. See, like I said, he's on top. He's the first person people think of. <laughs> so I stand corrected. So, um... Thomas, what is Jason to you? Well, he's um, always been my favorite slasher ever since I got into horror movies at, um, during my young teenage years. Like, I've been um, Jason for Halloween, like, when I was a little kid. I've, I've even was him for Halloween, like, a couple times in the past as well. And, like, I've seen him, like, you know, get cosplayed a lot at horror conventions. I've seen, like, you know, all the movies um, many times basically countless times i've um watched um fan films seen comic books so he's just always been like you know my favorite slasher out of all of them like you know i've always preferred jason over michael myers freddy krueger leatherface so so basically like um he's on top for me awesome and now randy the question to you uh, Jason Voorhees, um, he's had quite a history. Um, I would even call him the Batman of the movie Monster Universe because he's like he—he's—he's—he's he's, he's always—he's never—he never talks. He is very imposing. He's physically intimidating, um, and you know I never really considered him a villain. I mean, I know he's killing people. That's obviously a ter- horrible thing, but I'm sort of like rooting for him in a, in a weird way. And you know, I just want to see what's going to happen next with him and how he's going to kill these uh, idiotic teenagers. You know, it's kind of interesting how, you know, because Michael Myers really, he just uses uh, a butcher knife and his fists. But Jason really, he, he's very original, very creative with his kills. You know, he, he basically can kill it anybody with uh, uh, with any kind of garden tool and um, I think that's pretty cool and it's very interesting and especially the Kane Hodder films which we're going to get into very soon um, I think the character is very very interesting yeah definitely uh, I mean it's been coming a long way with uh, Jason and he holds a great place in the hearts of all for all horror fans and I do think that it can um, go even long way. Um, I hope there could be another reboot in the series or even a continuation from the first remake. We shall see. But getting into it, um, 
Last time we went into uh, discussing all the films and we are determined to talk about the rest of the films tonight. Are, are we all? Yes. Yes. So I am going to start off with uh, what it is, is Friday the 13th, Part 6. Jason... And, I, Matt, before we get into it, I just realized, I don't know if you guys realize, but t- guess what tomorrow is? <laughs> Friday oh, yeah. yes. Hello. Friday the 13th <laughs> is tomorrow. <laughs> oh, then this is a perfect time that we do that. And I know what's going to be on tomorrow throughout. I oh. think it could be on AMC or all. A Friday the 13th marathon. They always pop up on every Friday the 13th. Or yes, make your own marathon. Uh, Thomas, I see that what you have in your hand that... <laughs> That Friday the 13th Blu-ray set. Are you going to be watching all Friday the 13th movies tomorrow in honor of Friday the 13th? That's a good possibility. It's always like, you know, a um, good idea to celebrate Friday the 13th on Friday the 13th. That's right. You're supposed to just say yes. Watch any movie or even play um, video games or um, read any comic books or even watch fan films as well. That's right. Or you can dress up as Jason. You know, I, I know, and just to want, want to let you know, and I'm going to be putting this out there, you know, it, you know, we're still under COVID. We know that things are rising in cases. So, you know, we have to do our thing to slow the spread. And one thing is, you know, we got, you know, one thing is the most important thing is to wear a mask. And I've been looking up. I want to get like the adjacent mask, you know. <laughs> or, you know, a face mask to wear, or even what Thomas has in his hand. Just, just put on that mask, Thomas. Put, oh. Uh, oh, that's awesome. Like it. I like that. You see, yeah, you know, just get a mask. You know, get a mask of whatever you're a fan of. At this point, that's what I want. You know, anything nostalgic. You know, just put. You know, just wear a mask. Wear a mask of your favorite. A superhero or uh, iconic thing. Wear a mask of Ghostbusters. Buy it. You know it. You know masks are cool. I'm gonna say it. masks are cool. Does everyone agree with me on that? Yeah, they're in right yes. now. Yeah. <laughs> so let's all have tan marks of the mask. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So don't worry. So this is the one thing I think I'm gonna be trending it out there. The thing is masks. Are cool, <laughs> and everyone's but, gonna no, wear no, a mask. Not when you fog up your glasses, Matt. <laughs> I hate that. I hate that too. <laughs> yeah, I think we we can all agree. Yeah, but um, all of us wear glasses. Yeah, I because I'm I'm staring right at the computer right now. I, otherwise, I would be wearing glasses. <laughs> it is what it is. But you want to know what? We all have to do our part. Wear a mask. <laughs> So begin for what it is. Um, that's great, you know, for Friday the 13th. So I am going to be posting this episode on Friday the 13th. So everyone should be listening to this on Friday the 13th for part yeah. two. And listen to part one as well, people. <laughs> yeah. So going into this Friday the 13th, Jason Lives. Directed by... 
Tom McLaughlin, produced by Don Bems, and uh, starring Tom Matthews, Jennifer Cook, David, and David Kagan. And it goes like this: At some time after the events at Pinehurst Halfway House. Tommy Jarvis is released from the mental institution. Despite still having a nightmares of the mass murderer Jason Voorhees, whom he killed years ago, he returns to Crystal Lake, now renamed Forest Green, to confront his fears alongside his friend Alan Hawes. The pair visit Jason's grave during a thunderstorm, hoping to cremate the killer's body and finally end Tommy's hallucinations after digging up Jason's corpse. Tommy experiences flashback of his last encounter with Jason and furiously impales his body with a metal fence post. Just as two lightning bolts strike the post, causing Jason to come back to life as an immortal revenant. Jason proceeds to kill Alan and and don his old hockey mask, which Tommy brought with him. Tommy flees to the sheriff's office to warn the police that Jason is alive and well again. <laughs> the following morning, Garris's daughter Megan. Oh wait, I'm sorry. But as he is, but one thing is, he is arrested and jailed. His warning off Jason's return goes unheeded by Sheriff Mike Garris, who is aware of Tommy's ill institutionalization and thinks he is hallucinating on Jason's return. <laughs> That's not good, right? No. And. What it is is that um, camp counselors Darren Robertson and Elizabeth Mott get lost looking for the camp forest green and are stopped by Jason who murders them both. So Camp Crystal Lake turns into Camp Forest Green. Is that really wise to reopen a camp with uh, murdered murderers? Does anyone think that's wise? You would think they'd learn their lessons. I mean, didn't they reopen Sleepaway Camp um, just a few years after the events of the first film? Mm-hmm. So it was a different camp than Sleepaway Camp. Oh, uh, well, the Horizons or something like that? But, oh, uh, the third movie, yeah, that was they, they reopened the camp under new um, ownership. Just because you rename it doesn't make it good. <laughs> I feel, you know, so at Camp Forest Green, children arrive and the teens do their best to run the camp without Darren and Lisbeth. Meanwhile, Garris decides to escort Tommy out of his jurisdiction due to his influence in Megan. Tommy tries to make a run for Jason's grave, but finds that the caretaker had covered it up to deny responsibility for it being dug up. And, how, and Haw's body is buried in its place. Tommy is then handcuffed and escorted out of town by Garris, who warns him to never return. That night, Jason murders the caretaker and a nearby couple who witnessed the murder. Meanwhile, Court goes to cut out to have sex with a girl named Nicola Parsley. 
but Jason kills them both. Come on. <laughs> Don't do that, right? Um, then Tommy contacts Megan and convinces her to help him lure Jason back to Crystal Lake. Meanwhile, Jason makes his way to the camp and kills both Sissy and Paula, but retrains from harming the children. Meanwhile, Tommy and Megan are pulled over by Garris, despite Megan's alibi that she was with Tommy. He does not believe him to be innocent and arrests him, and then goes to the camp to investigate. As Tommy and Megan develop a ruse to trick the watching deputy and escape, Jason kills Garris and the two other deputies when they arrive at the camp. And in it that what it is, Tommy makes tries to lure Jason to the lake to drown him in the lake. And as this is, uh, Albert anchored to the bottom of the lake waiting for another opportunity. It shows that Jason, uh, to be still alive, a bet anchored to the bottom of uh, the lake, waiting for another opportunity to return. So. That's how it is. <laughs> so what do you guys think of that a film when you first watch it? I mean, for when I watch it, I think it was... A good story. It is one I I do enjoy. Friday the Thirteenth Part Six. Jason Lives. It is one um, that I think is one of my favorite of the franchise. I do like how the story goes and how uh, I do think it's also a closure for the series in Tommy in a way. Hmm. Yeah. Um, I really like this one too. I think this might have been the first Friday Thirteenth I've ever seen in my life. When I think I was like. Like a young kid when I saw it, and it was really, really interesting then. It's really, it holds up now, uh, what, what, 34 years later. And um, I just love just, it felt, it's like it, the series went in a different direction as at this point. You know, it felt a little, I don't know, maybe slightly grittier or just different. It just felt different. It felt new. And I thought the kills were great. I remember, yeah, the, the first kill with the, at the at the at the cemetery was great, and also the way Jason comes back to life, um, you know, being basically electrified into life, kind of like Frankenstein's monster, and also uh, Tony Goldwyn, uh, who we probably from uh, uh, he was the bad guy in the movie Ghost, voice in and Disney's. Um, he dies pretty early on the character his character's girlfriend also gets killed that same scene and I just think that the kills in this are really really good and it has a, a very nice flow about it so this is definitely one of my favorites as well Matt awesome yeah uh, what, uh, Kim and Thomas what did you think I mean um, part 6 is one of my favorites as well um, possibly my second favorite behind um, part 4 like you know I really did like the zombie Jason in this one. I liked um, how he was um, a lot more harder to kill than he was in previous movies. <clears throat> and like, I also did like how it went to a different direction because this one was pretty much the one that didn't take itself too seriously. So like it, it had fun as well. So like, you know, there was a lot of um, 
pretty good um, dark humor in there. And something I also really did like is how this one actually shows them Camp Crystal Lake, or as it's called Camp Forest Green, actually in progress because none of the Friday 13th movies, like the ones before or the ones after, ever showed like, you know, kids going to camp. It was always like maybe like them setting up to open up the camp, or maybe something like um, they're just getting away by the camp. But this time we actually see kids actually um, attending the camp until Jason, of course, um, ruins the summer. <laughs> Doesn't always Jason ruins the summer. You don't yes. want Jason. I would like, hmm, if you really want to ruin the summer for all those kids, do you? Do you? Kim, yeah. you send the kids to camp. Really Would you like want Jason to ruin the summer for your kids? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I also really did like the music in um, part six because, like, some of that music was actually done by the legendary Alice Cooper. Oh, nice. I thought part six was kind of cool, too, how, you know, we all think all these slashers out there are immortal, that we can't kill them, that they always come back to life. And. This part actually goes with that scenario that Jason did die in the last movie before it, and that, like you said, like Frankenstein, they bring him back to life, and now he's more of that immortal creature that you really don't know if you can or can't kill now. So, so I just, I really liked how they did that concept in this movie, and like you said, it does have a lot of funnier parts in it, and. Um, it's, it's just an overall good, like, middle movie, because it's, like, directly in the middle of the series of all the other movies. It's a good movie. Uh, I, I like guys This is definitely one of my favorites. And it does hold and it does hold that part to the franchise. And it does leave that where it does continue. And it does with Friday the 13th, Part 7, The New Blood. And we have you, Thomas... Take it away. Okay, so Friday 13th, Part 7 is set years later. Jason is still um, oh, lying there Randy, at the bottom of you? Camp Crystal Lake, still chained up to the boulder. And um, we get introduced to a new character named Tina Shepard, who used to live at Camp Crystal Lake with her, um, her mother and her um, drunk and abusive father. But then... And in a mysterious accident, her father drowns in the, the lake. Then years later, her as she's older, her and her mother return to the um, site where her father was killed to seek um, help to like get closure and also get treatments from her um, doctor, Dr. Cruz, probably by um, Terry Kaiser from um, The Weekend of Bernie's movies. And so... Oh, as he tries to like help her, tries to manipulate her powers, she he accidentally brings Jason back to life using her um, telekinesis powers. And me, meanwhile, like right next door to their house, they're they're throwing a um, surprise birthday party for um, for for one of the main characters' cousins, only for Jason to like kill off all the guests one by one, all leading up. One of, the, one of the most ultimate showdowns between Tina Shepard and Jason Voorhees. So, in my opinion, Friday the 13th Part 7 is actually um, a pretty good entry into the series. It's 
it um, didn't really uh, like you know go into like the dark comedy route of part six it went back to its like dark serious roots it introduced um, Kane Hodder who is the only actor to play Jason more than once and is actually my favorite Jason actor as well as many other people out there and <clears throat> I also really did like the look of Jason in this one because like you know they really like you know went to detail with Jason's look like making him out had to look like he's just been through like six seven movies before um before this one and like giving him all the wounds that he suffered like they put the axe wound to his forehead machete wound to the side of his face and also a um, big gash on his cheek from the propeller from the sixth movie so so it was great eight so so part six like i mean part seven is like you know it's not my favorite but it's a good um entry into the series and it's one worth checking out it's it's watchable this is the one where it had like that might like this little um psychiatric part to it am i correct yeah i mean it was sort of like jason versus carrie yeah I mean, I just remember that. how it was, like, one of the scenes where, um, the, where the mask just, like, splits apart and he's, like, this big monster or something. Yeah. <laughs> and also, um, Thomas, you didn't mention the, the exposed spine that Jason has. Yeah, the exposed spine. Exposed on Rick Page. They really did really... They, they they created Jason. Like they recreated Jason basically, and they made him look so original, so cool. Uh, and Kane Hodder just he could just stand and do nothing and look very imposing. Um, you know, he's a I think he started off as a stunt man, and uh, he's very muscular, he's very tall. He's, I think he's about six foot three. And when you see him in this getup, in this Jason uh, costume and the mask and it's really it's really quite a sight, and um, I think that Kane Hodder took the franchise in a whole new direction. That's def- uh, that's, uh, that's pretty amazing, uh, Kim. What are your thoughts on Friday the Thirteenth Part Seven: The New Blood? I li- I like it. It's you know it's again not one of my favorites, but it's still it's still got really good points in it. Like I agree the makeup that they did on him is really good. Kane Hodder is one of my favorite Jasons out there. Um plus this one does have one of my favorite kills out of all the kills that he's done. Um the sleeping bag kill was just really creative and I thought fit in yeah. with the it fit, it fit in with the tie of, you know, the whole going to camp and everything and stuff. You know, he just walks up upon this tent and rips the tent open and gra- drags her out in her sleeping bag and beats her against the tree like she's a baseball bat until she's dead. I mean, that's, that, that's just a classic Jason kill right there. Yeah. I've always really liked the tools that Jason used in this one. I mean, he used a tent spike. He used his trusty machete. He used yep. this, like... This spear thing, which was really cool. Also used this weed whacker. So yeah, I like how they outbreak different weapons other than just a machete. So we feel like the kills in in this it was film um, was more top, creative. It was a tree saw. <laughs> what was that? Uh, that the kills were more creative in this film. I think it, it was a, a tree saw that he tree saw. Mm-hmm. Yeah, to kill um, Terry Kaiser's character, Doctor Cruz. 
Yeah. Yeah, we all know like the, it's the machete is the the weapon of choice of Jason. We know we've seen it so but I do like when they go into like those creativity and, and it's different in some ways. Kind of reminds me of Sleepaway Camp again. <laughs> <laughs> and now for this is actually um um as we're going to be getting into it it's actually one of my favorites because and it brings out so much nostalgia. It is Friday the 13th Part 8, Jason Takes Manhattan. And we have our good friend Randy Unger that's going to um, read the summary of this one. All right. So this one, they they returned back to that kind of like that goofy formula. Um, and I think they were going to just keep making more of these. Like they could put... Jason in Tahiti, you know. <laughs> but um, Jason takes Manhattan. Uh, it uh, it follows a group of uh, teenagers who go on a trip um, to New York City uh, on a cruise. It's it's a small cruise, but uh, basically leaves from Crystal Lake Camp to New York City, and um, basically Jason uh, is uh, again electrified to to life uh, and hops aboard the cruise and basically kills all the teenagers one by one uh, up until they reach New York City. But um, the route in which they they go to New York City is a little bit of a plot hole. Um, They leave out of upstate New York, and then they travel into the Atlantic Ocean. But I don't know if the route was actually thought up thought of properly and there was just some plot holes with the with the route that they took not being very accurate um factually accurate but anyway um they get to new york them continues to kill them off one by one um you know and it's you know the 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 formula is still there it's the same as you know the previous films um but you know i mean i i really I wanted. I know a lot of people wanted a lot more, especially from the title, Jason Takes Manhattan. You would think that it would take place in New York City, but um, I think only about like 15, and um, it's kind of a letdown in that respect. But there are some really good moments. Um, one of my favorite, if not my favorite Jason scene, scenes of all time is Jason standing in the middle of Times Square just kind of looking around and like, it's like, where, where the hell am I? What am I doing here? And the music is perfect in that moment. And that scene pretty much, it's, that sums up Friday the 13th for me, that one moment. Uh, I really wanted a lot more of the New York City setting. And we got some good scenes in uh, Ken Kersinger, uh, who actually, I believe, believe played jason or was a stunt double for for kane hodder uh, um, uh kane hodder basically he throws him against the window in the di- this a mirror in the diner and like um like nothing like this guy was huge and he just like flings him th- into the wall and it's yeah this movie has some really great moments and the concept of it is great but you know it, it spent way too much time on the ship um, which wasn't very interesting in in my opinion. Um, yeah, I just wanted to see more of Jason actually taking Manhattan. 
but you know it is what it is and we get some good scenes out of it we did i mean we did get some good scenes out of it i i have to agree with you they spent more time on the ship and they could have done more in new york city like I do enjoy the Times Square scene. I think that was one of my favorites. Just seeing how Times Square was back then in like the 80s. It was like, you never want to go to Times Square back then. It's like, the one thing was like, oh, stay away, stay away, stay away. And you see like the gangs. And like oh, the- yeah. And there's a great scene where... Uh, Jason's walking, he kicks this uh, this gang's boombox, and they're about to beat him up, this group of kids, they're like they're like these t- street toughs, and then J- Jason just lifts his mask up, and they just flee, so like, they don't want to mess with Jason Voorhees. <laughs> That's right. It's a great scene. No, it definitely is. Um, and to Thomas and to Kim, what did you think of it? Well, um, for me, I mean, like, um, it's a fun watch, but I will have to like you know put not um. It's like one of my least favorites. I'm gonna say that overall, but like um, I've always really liked um that scene that Randy was pointing out, and also you as well, him in Times Square. But yeah, like um, for a movie called Jason Takes Manhattan, there's not really much of him taking Manhattan. But here's actually something that maybe could have made the movie better is maybe like um if they. If they didn't like, you know, have that title, Jason Takes Manhattan, since it's mostly set on the boat, maybe it's like Jason at Sea could have been a, a better title. And like, um, maybe like, you know, <laughs> yeah, yeah, so like, maybe like, um, they could have like, you know, called it that instead. And then maybe like, you know, save like, you know, Manhattan as like a big surprise for like when you see it. So it's sort of like, you know, um, you think the movie's set on the boat for the whole movie, but then all of a sudden when you see it, oh, there's, it's New York City. So. Yeah. Maybe that could have been actually like a better idea, yeah. but like you know, I've, I've this did have one of my favorite Jason kills of all time when he punches um Julian's head right off of his shoulders. <laughs> that was that scene like you know always gets me. I mean, it's a very fun scene. <clears throat> but I gotta, like, I gotta agree with Thomas and stuff. Like it's not one of my favorite Jason movies. Um, agreeable to like just the titles all obscure it, it, it I agree could have been like Jason you know Jason takes on a cruise ship or something like that like there's some other title they could have used in Manhattan because it really does not do in Manhattan that much and I agree probably the best kill of the thing is when he punches Julian's head off just because it's so over the top like you know he's just like I'm gonna get you I'm gonna kick Jason's ass and just, he's working and working and working and then he gets exhausted and it's like okay bring it on and one punch and his head comes off <laughs> it's just it's funny and just over the top and it was just yeah that's probably the best part of the movie <laughs> Matter of fact, something I've always liked is that you actually see the um, poster of the 1989 Batman movie for the Times Square scenes. <laughs> yep. Right. That's right. And actually, when it did was released on, if I my, am corrected. Sorry. <laughs> uh, Jason Takes Manhattan was released in 1989. Right. This movie had some competition. <laughs> right. Yeah, um, yeah. It had competition with that year. and Ghostbusters two 
and um, uh, Batman, yeah. All around that time. And the year before, in 1988, 1989, basically you saw like you had Michael Myers, you had uh, Freddy. Uh, in I think eighty eight and eighty nine, so it was a it was a busy time for our our favorite movie maniacs. <laughs> the eighties right. were a busy time for so many movies. If only we were around that like so we were just so young in the eighties, it would have been just a great time just to see movies in the eighties. And do I agree with? Does everyone agree with me on that? Yeah, one hundred and ten percent. Yes, it would have been cool instead of being like you know just born to a to a young kid there would have been cool to have been like a teenager in the 80s getting to go see those movies in theaters with my friends and yeah it would have been a great experience so. yeah and i bet seeing a movie back then i think it was like five dollars just to <laughs> just to see a movie on those prices and the popcorn and the soda were still affordable that's right <laughs> Yes. Nice. Yeah, these days it's like $15 for a combo meal. <laughs> if you're lucky. <laughs> but I think for me personally, real quick, um, before we move on, um, my favorite death out of the entire uh, franchise is probably uh, the, the teacher, Mr. McCullough. He, um, Jason basically drowns him in a garbage can full of raw sewage and it's just you see like a dead rat it's like the most disgusting vile uh pool of of whatever waste and basically jason just dunks him in head first and he's thrashing around and you know he doesn't let go until he's completely drowned and dead and and it was a pretty good pretty good death for me to all young parents out there, parental guidance is suggested for listening to this episode if we are talking about those kind of kills. I know. <laughs> I had to put it out there. Sorry, Randy. <laughs> right. <laughs> it's all right. Of course. <laughs> Besides, it is parental guidance as we're going on because we're going to be talking about for what our next um, film that we discuss. It is... Um, it, it's, it breaks it off as it, it's, um, the ninth film in the franchise, Jason Goes to Hell, The Final Friday, and now we have Kimberly Schwartz taken away. So, the plot for this is set a few years after... Um, meeting his demise in Manhattan, a resurrected Jason Voorhees returns to Camp Crystal Lake again, where he stalks a lone woman. However, the woman is soon revealed to be an undercover FBI agent, and she lures Jason into an ambush where he is shot and obliterated by heavy-armed FBI and SWAT agents. Jason's remains are sent to a morgue where he is still, where his still beating heart entices the coroner to eat it allowing J allowing the killer's soul to possess him jason in the coroner's body escapes the morgue killing yet another coroner and two fbi agents in the process at crystal lake jason finds three partying teens and then kills them before also murdering a police officer and possessing his partner meanwhile bounty hunter um creighton duke discovers that 
that only members of Jason's bloodline can truly kill him, and he will return to his normal and near-invincible state if he possesses a member of his family. The only living relatives of Jason are his half-sister, Diana, and her daughter, Jessica, and Stephanie, the infant daughter of Jessica, and Stephen. Jason makes his way to Diana's house, where Stephen bursts in to attack him. In the chaos, Diana is killed, and Jason escapes. Stephen is accused of Diana's murder and is arrested before meeting Duke, who reveals Jessica's relation to Jason. Determined to get to get to Jessica before Jason does, Stephen escapes from jail. Meanwhile, Jessica is debating is dating a tabloid TV reporter named Robert Campbell. Stephen goes into the Voorhees house to find the evidence to convince Jessica, but fails, but falls through the rotten boards. Robert enters the upstairs room and receives a phone call, which reveals that he is attempting to spice up his show ratings by putting emphasis on Jason's return from death, having stolen Diana's body from the morgue for this reason. Jason bursts in and transfers his heart into Robert while the body he left melts. Jason leaves with Stephen in pursuit and attempts to possess Jessica in order to be reborn, but is disrupted by Stephen, who hits him and takes Jessica to his car. Stephen temporarily stalls Jason by running him over when he tries to explain the situation to Jessica. She disbelieves him and throws him out of the car before going to the police station. Jason arrives at the police station and kills all the officers in his path to Jessica, whom he almost possesses before Stephen stops him yet again. The chaos allows Duke to escape from his cell. Now believing Stephen, Jessica goes with him to the diner to retrieve Stephanie before Jason does. When Jason arrives, he is attacked by the shop's owner, whom he kills along with the waitress, Vicky, who manages to shoot him with a shotgun and impale him with an iron rod. Jessica and Stephen discover a note from Duke telling them that he has Stephanie and demanding that Jessica meet him at the Voorhees house alone. Jessica meets Duke and is given a mythical dagger, which she can use to permanently kill Jason. A police officer enters the diner where Robert's possessed transfers to his heart into him. Duke falls to the floor and Jessica is confronted by Landis and Randy. Landis is accidentally killed with the dagger, which Jessica then drops. Jason possesses Randy in his attempt to be reborn through Stephanie, but Stephen arrives and severs his neck with the machete. Jason's heart, which has grown into a demonic infant, crawls out of Randy's neck. Stephen and Jessica pull Duke out of the basin as Jason's heart discovers Diana's body and slithers into her into her vaginal orifices, allowing him to be reborn. While Steven and Jessica attempt to retrieve the dagger, Duke distracts Jason and is killed with a bear hug. Jason turns his attention to Jessica before Steven tackles him, and the two battle it out to retrieve the dagger and stab Jason in the chest just as he was about to kill Steven. As the souls Jason's accumulated over time are all released, the demonic hands burst out of the ground and pull Jason to hell. Jason attempts to take Stephen with him, but Jessica saves Stephen from being pulled to hell. Stephen and Jessica reconcile and walk off into the sunrise with their baby. Later, a dog unearths Jason's mask while digging from the dirt, and all of a sudden, Freddy Krueger's glove bursts from the dirt and pulls Jason's mask to hell. 
laughing evilly. Oh, Thomas has got the Freddy Krueger glove. <laughs> Love it. This would uh, be... This, this, this is just an interesting spin on the movie. You know, it's got Jason dying, coming back to life, dying, coming back to life. But that that whole scene in the beginning where, the, you know, the morgue guy is taking care of his body and then just all of a sudden decides to start feasting on his heart. That, that kind of got me right in the beginning. It was like, oh, my gosh, what are you doing? Why are you doing this? And, you know, just to eventually go along with the whole, you know, supernatural type of thing where he's able to possess different people's bodies with his heart and having to be reborn. Like, we were getting on some next-level um, Jason type of movies right there. <laughs> well it was it was just insane, and then just to you know, and then to end it with Freddy dragging his mask to hell will always be one of my favorite endings to one of the Jason movies. I mean, I think this is definitely where where it spins off and more of that psycho psychiatric feeling to it. This is where like those two films um, with that and the the new um, which was. Um, the New Blood, those two, they were not really my favorites in the film franchise. It were, I mean, it does have that kind of, I mean, it was a great story, but I still feel like when they go on with that psycho, psychophoric uh, kind of energy, that's where, that's where the film franchise turned me off from it. Uh, Thomas yeah, were, and Randy... They didn't have the feel of an iconic slasher movie. No, they did not. Not with these. Not with those two films. No. And Thomas and Randy, what do you think? Well, um, Jason goes to hell is just, and particularly, it's actually like my least favorite out of the entire franchise because, like. It kind of didn't really like you know make much sense with the with the franchise because like when did Jason get this power to possess people? I mean, if he had this power to possess people, why didn't he use it in any of the previous movies? So basically, like you know, it created plot holes with the entire franchise doing that. But I mean, it does have its moments. Like I like the look they gave Jason. I liked the Creighton Duke character. He was a lot of fun. He was sort of like a Dr. Loomis character for the Friday the 13th franchise. But I do wish, like, you know, he was in more of the movies. Like, you know, he was just in this one and just dies. And, like, um, <clears throat> I also do like how the deaths were a lot more crazy, a lot more gory. And that's really because it was the 90s. The MPAA wasn't getting in the way like they were previous installments. And, of course, I did like the um, Freddy Krueger ending as well. So... So it has its moments with that, but overall, it just like um, it's it's my least favorite, and like you know, it didn't really like um, make much sense. Didn't really like feel it was all that connected. Kind of more felt like it was a spinoff movie than it was a sequel. Mm-hmm. Yeah, this did not feel like a Friday the Thirteenth movie to me at all. I mean, just the beginning. Uh, but even so, that was kind of like cartoony and didn't really fit with the rest of this movie. Um, yeah, I, the only really good thing was the, you know the reappearance of Kane Hodder as Jason, but that was only for the first like ten minutes or so. And then we get this weird kind of like possession, 
transfer of soul to the next host, kind of like the thing. And it was just really poorly made. Um, the acting's atrocious. Um, actually, the only aside from Kane Hodder's performance, I really did like Richard Gant, who played the coroner, um, up until he started devouring the Black Heart. That was just totally disgusting and inappropriate, and did not really make much sense. Um, yeah, I, I think I'm with Thomas in saying that this is my least favorite Friday Thirteenth. It definitely is um, one of my least favorites. And I think this is where, like, you know, where the franchise went downhill, and which comes into the next one, which, um, I mean, some of you feel, like, mixed on this, but um, this would be uh, Jason X. And Jason X is more like a slasher, yet side. They try to mix that in with sci- with science fiction in this one, which is some of the creators. I'm not how they went into it, but um, for what it is, is that um, it was released in 2001. Um, Consider a science fiction slasher film. Um, directed by Jim Isaac, written by Todd Famer, and starring Le- Lexa Doig, uh, Lisa Ryder. Chuck Campbell and Kane Ho- and Kane Hodder. Um, this was also the um, Kane Hodder. This was his fourth, and this is his, also his final cinematic appearance as Jason Voorhees from the Jason franchise. Um, in the plot, follows Jason as he is cryogenically frozen after at. Um, at the Crystal Lake Research Facility after Camp Crystal Lake was turned into a research facility a few years after. And they try everything they tried to do to kill him has failed. So they decided that they were going to cryogenically freeze Jason. And after there was like some acts, there was some uh, incident where Jason breaks free of his restraints and the doctor and they decided to cryogenically freeze him and and they he stays frozen for 445 years until and he is found inadvertently awoken by a group of students in the year 2455 allowing him to stalk and kill them one by one aboard their spaceship traveling to earth 2 um while other and in this where um, he actually gets um, regenerated as a cyborg in yeah. killing them all the way up to Earth 2. In this, I think it was a great creative way to re-envision this franchise. I mean, it was definitely different because it was like the space and everything... However, the cyborg Jason did not do it for me. I'm a big fan of the hockey mask, and I always will. But that cyborg Jason, no. No. Get that away. You had the hockey mask on in the beginning of the movie. He had it for most of the movie, actually. Yeah, I was going to say, he didn't get that metal cyborg type of mask until he had all the nanites come in, um, regenerate parts of his body that they thought was damaged. It's like what happened to originality? What happened to the, even just the formula of just 
chasing a girl down the woods uh, with a machete. Like, this is just so out there. It's so ridiculous. And I know, I think it has a a cult following, but I'm not part of that cult. (laughs) Neither am I, Randy. Neither am I. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Jason and I are I love Jason X Really? It's wonderful Maybe I have to revisit it <laughs> Sure I saw Jason X in the theater back in 2002 It was my first It was my first um, Friday the 13th movie I saw in theaters Of all the things, that was your first Friday the 13th film On the big screen You did not want to go to like a A, a, a re, um, Rescreen of the original on the big screen? I mean, they have... I wasn't born yet when the original movies were coming out. <laughs> I saw Jason X in theaters, too. Um, that it was, I just thought it was a really good movie. Okay, got it. It's out there. You know, Jason in space kind of just was a little, like, pull, pulling it there. But I liked the concept in the beginning, how they made Crystal Lake into a research facility, and they had him holding there, you know, and they opened it up telling you they've tried stabbing him they've tried shooting him they've tried setting him on fire they've tried you know all exploding him they've tried all these different things and nothing's worked and then they decide to cryogenically freeze him and when she the doctor goes and hits the button you know and it's like a sweet i got him frozen that's when she looks down and realizes he stabbed the machete through the pod and stabbed her and she gets frozen along with him so it's kind of interesting that she gets to go there with him and like all these new people are like oh he doesn't seem too bad and she's like no he's a psychopathic killer we're all gonna die (laughs) type of thing but it it has it has some really campy like punchlines. like the one that always sticks out to me that's just like really did you need to put that in there when the one girl's gonna get sucked out the side of the air duct and she's just like oh this sucks on so many levels and then gets sucked out the duct and dies and stuff it's just like really that was really stupid dialogue but i will say it has one of my favorite kills i love the one where the girl gets her face dipped into the cryo freeze comes out he shatters it on the the um stand there that's that's one of my favorite kills from that movie I'll give you that one. Like I said, I'll give you that one for that kill. That was a good kill. <laughs> one of the greatest 181 kills of Jason Voorhees. And I don't. And I think there's going to be continuing of kills coming in recent years that they keep on making films of Jason Voorhees. Although the yeah. next one we have, I wouldn't say it's more of a remake, but this one is. One that spins away from the franchise a little bit, but it's considered a Jason film and a Freddy Krueger film. So, (laughs) this is Freddy vs. Jason. Released in 2003, Thomas Take It Away. Okay, it was, um, sets like, you know, many years after the events of, um, Jason Goes to Hell, as well as many years after the events of Freddy's Dead, The Final Nightmare. And um, Dream Demon, Freddy Krueger, has been dead for many years. And, like, you know, the town of Springwood has forgotten all about him. He's been pretty much erased, eradicated, like he doesn't even exist. But then one day he resurrects Jason and then, like, makes him go to his hometown in Springwood to um, make people fear him again and that way he can come back through the dream world where he always where he always comes back through and so that 
and Jason kills his first victim in Freddy's house. And then that's when people remember Freddy Krueger was was in that house many years ago, and he killed many teenagers. But then, as um, Jason continues his killing spree in Springwood, Freddy starts regretting bringing Jason back, and now he wants to um, kill Jason and basically take his um, place back at Springwood, leading to one of the greatest showdowns of the Friday the 13th franchise, pitting Freddy and Jason in, in a death match. And I saw Freddy vs. Jason in the theater back in, um, oh, that's great, Kim. <laughs> that's great right there. <laughs> and I saw Freddy vs. Jason in the theater back in 2003. And, like, I didn't see it his first day because there was this massive blackout that happened um, the day it came out. So I had to wait the next day. And, and I just had a blast. I mean, saw it with um, my dad and a friend of mine. And we all had a blast. <clears throat> It did feel a little more like a Freddy movie, to be honest, though, because like it was mostly set in um, Springwood, and like we didn't get Camp Crystal Lake until like you know, like the last fifteen minutes, give or take, where they have like their big showdown. But like you know, um, Jason does most of the kills, though. Freddy only has one kill in this movie, <laughs> so like, um, and like. Um, the fight scenes were like you know the um, the highlights of um, Freddy vs. Jason. They were the best um, parts. But of course, like you know, the um, rest of the movie was your typical generic slasher movie, though. But like you know, it was a lot of fun. It's um, definitely worth seeing, especially to see like you know your two iconic um, slashers in one movie and see them fight to the death. One thing I do like in this film, and there is like one scene that have brought back the character of since from all of it, uh, Pamela Voorhees. It brought back that little kind of like a dream sequence, even though it was disguised as Freddy Krueger. But they brought back Pamela Voorhees in that little bit, and I thought that was such a great scene. Like, oh my, that it was perfect. Oh yeah, uh, 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 I mean, I, I remember actually like during her scene, like um, when I saw it in the theater, my friend leaned over, and whispered, "He's a mama's boy." <laughs> <laughs> but also for this, I want to just say that uh, Freddy versus Jason is also one that holds to my heart. And for Kim, you should remember this too. And I, you know, I always uh, when I got this on, I mean, I just bought this on. I was a huge fan of of. Jason and Freddy. So I got the DVD and remember that we were like, so let's watch uh, a horror film. I forget uh, who we had in there with us at the time, but we just we just watched it and it was just one hell of a, hell of a night. <laughs> yeah, I loved just hanging out when we were in college and stuff and just being like, okay, we're going to watch this tonight and just... I know we scared some of our other friends watching it with us, but you and I absolutely loved it. Oh, yeah. Oh, it, it was so much fun. <laughs> I mean, there was, like, nobody else, like, in our group in college uh, enjoyed horror movies than, than you and I. <laughs> yep. 
That was our thing. And you know what? And I love Freddy versus Jason. This is just that movie that, like, all of us fans, we it, it could have been the crappiest movie out there, but we were all waiting for it for years, and we were going to see it no matter how good the movie was. And I'm glad that it did end up being good. And you know, and like Thomas said, yeah, it, it spends more stuff going on in Freddy's world than Jason's, but I mean. It's it's still got a lot of it's got it's got a decent story. It's got, you know, some really cool kills and it's got some really lame kills, you know, just like any other movie will have. And but I mean the showdown between them was just awesome. It's got some it's got really good gore factor to it. There's some really gory scenes in it. Um yeah, I mean I just I love the movie. I watch it over and over again and it's still holds to watching it just like I did the first time. Randy, what do you think of it? So, I think I only saw this once, and it was the first time, yeah, the first and only time was when it came out in 2003, and I thought it was cool. I mean, I was excited. This is the the team-up we've been waiting for, you know? And it was definitely teased at the end of Jason Goes to Hell, and it took them, what, 10 years to make that come true? So I'm glad that they, they followed through with that. And it was great seeing uh, Robert Englund return as Freddy. You know, he's iconic. Um, I really, the only uh, thing that, uh, that annoyed me was that they, they didn't have Kane Hodder as Jason. I think that would have been the perfect pairing. But, um, you know, they made, they, they did okay with what they had. And uh, I just remember the one scene in the cornfield where there's a bunch of kids, like, partying. And they all get slaughtered. It's like, that's like... <laughs> The only scene that really that stuck with me and yeah it's just a, it's a, a totally silly funny ridiculous movie that you just you you watch with your friends and i, I kind of wish i was with you guys when you saw it yeah. <laughs> yeah interesting thing that you actually mentioned that that took them like 10 years to get this movie going was actually believe it or not it's actually longer because they first pitched freddy versus jason when they did um friday 13 part 7 but like they weren't able to make it at the time because Friday 13 franchise was with Paramount, the Nightmare on Elm Street series with New Line, so they couldn't like you know get copyrights for um, making that crossover at the time. You know, I'm and sad that it wasn't a there wasn't like a video game of Freddy vs. Jason first. You would think it would be a video game before they made it into a movie. <laughs> nice. But I mean, I'm glad that they decided to do that movie. Um, it is one of my favorites in the franchise. I mean, some may say it was like with poor reviews, but I still think it, it was a good film. I, I do enjoy it, and I do love I do love Robert England as Freddy Krueger. He is the only one I think is the Freddy Krueger. He is the legend, and I'm pissed. Yes, and even though we, with you, Matt, he's the only person who can play Freddy Krueger and stuff. I saw not trying to get on a different franchise, but I've yeah. seen. 2010 re-imaging remake and it was in my opinion it was horrible i absolutely hated it and stuff robert england is the only one who can play him good and we'll be talking about that but i do know that robert i'm just going to be putting this out there i do know robert england does do cons so my life won't be complete until i meet robert england uh i'm right there with you i would love to meet him someday I know, Thomas. <laughs> Thomas, you shut up right now. <laughs> I know. <laughs> Not fair. 
you know, because all of us, you know, we've been through the con things, and even though for what I think for what um, and I'll be putting this out there, I think all of us will be going. I think should all get together when the pandemic is pretty much over, all for a road trip, and we'll fly you up here, Thomas, to New Jersey Horror Con. That would I would be love cool. that. I would love yes. that. Yes. And maybe we're all going to take a trip to um, down to the Texas Chainsaw Massacre. We'll get those nice little cabins and we'll stay at the uh, gas station. <laughs> yeah. And That's if you guys want, you can like come to Texas Frightmare in the future. There we go. Let's do it. See, Kim, family vacations... And- <laughs> Don't worry, we're going to be talking about another kind of like... The horror icons of the U.S. <laughs> That'd make for a great documentary. Just go to different locations. <laughs> Road to Horror. Road to Horror. There's a great title for it. Road to Horror. <laughs> now we have one of our last um, ones, and that is the remake. The remake was released, what, what was it, back in... Uh, yeah, 2009. 2009. Randy, take it away. <coughs> Randy? Sure. Okay. Um, I think this one I... Yeah. Am I coming through? You're coming through. Yep. Hello? <laughs> okay, We're sorry. You perfectly, but so, Friday the 13th. Oh, gotcha, gotcha. Okay, so um, basically, this is a reimagining of the entire uh, franchise. They tried to like put a, a new spin on the origin, and, and basically, we're given. You know, it's been a while since I've seen it, but I don't remember loving it. I just I Some I know, it was nostalgic, and it was there were hints. In my opinion, it was just totally, totally uh, unnecessary. And basically, it was you know the movie studio just trying to uh, uh, reignite the flame of the original uh, series. But um, you know, and not a lot of um, stuck out for me. It basically follows Jason as he slaughters teenagers at Can Crystal Lake, something we all know. And um, you know, I, the only that I really remember from this is there's a scene right before this this stoner teenager gets Jason mask over his face and basically he gets killed obviously um, yeah this is during when uh, I built franchises like they did um, most notably with the Texas Chainsaw Massacre and uh, also the Amityville Horror was also another popular franchise um but yeah this just was totally unnecessary um it tried to be like the first couple of friday movies from the 80s and um in my opinion fell flat and the deaths didn't really resonate with me so uh, i think this is uh, along with um jason goes to hell this is one of the weaker uh, films of the series i did see the remake and i too wasn't really a fan i felt that i told no value to it. I mean, it was great that it was there. I know that what they were trying to do. But, like, so many, like, the remakes for what it is, 
you know, I think um, it didn't do well with um, Nightmare on Elm Street. And it didn't do well with this uh, as well. An interesting thing you mentioned that is that this was made by the same company, Platinum Dunes, which is a company owned by Michael Bay. So, like, you know, they produced um, remakes like Texas Chainsaw Massacre, Amityville Horror, Friday 13th, Nightmare on Elm Street, and The Hitcher. Michael Bay, let me say, I mean, there are some good films. I am a fan of Armageddon. I'm a fan of the first, maybe two Transformers. The Rock. The The Rock. The Rock is great. And even the stuff he produced, like Crimson Tide and Beverly Hills Cop 2. But um, we don't want to go get off topic. <laughs> no. <laughs> I didn't think, I mean, the, the 2009 one's not horrible, I guess. But, I mean, it did have some good points. I know they tried to redo the story. I think if they went a better route, like we're getting now, like with the Halloween series, where... You know, the Halloween 2018 basically ignored every single sequel that's out there, and it was a direct sequel to the first movie. You know, maybe they would have tried to do that with the Friday the 13th, then it could have been a decent movie. But, I mean, they like you said, they basically were just doing the same storyline. It starts off, well, this is what's going on with Jason. Then we go to years later when there's another group of people there and they all get killed except for the one sister and then we go to a few you know a year to a year later where um you know jared Padalecki from supernatural is playing the brother and he's looking for his sister and again it's another group of teenagers getting killed as he's you know the side story as he's trying to find his sister and you know the whole thing of jason keeping someone alive and kidnapped for a year that was kind of like that's not jason he would have just killed her and stuff what what do you mean he's keeping her locked up just because she looks like his mother supposedly and stuff. so that 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 was a really stretch on the movie and stuff i mean have i watched it again since the first time it came out yeah and stuff if there's you know not something else but it's not one of my favorite friday the 13th that i'd watch over and over again um yeah it definitely was and for what I've seen, I'm, I'm hearing that they might bring back because uh, another Friday the 13th. Maybe they're going to do it right. I mean, it's there. That franchise is there. And I know, like, with the fan base, they're going to want to... It's going to be there. In time, we're going to see another Friday the 13th film. And we're going to see another Jason film pretty soon. Uh, do you all agree? Yes, yeah, I do. Hopefully, it'll be done by a, a very, you know, a very good and creative filmmaker, and not just kind of rehash the old stories. Kind of inject some new, new life into it, make it kind of creative, like the Bloomhouse movies. You know, those are great. So, I think I think that production company is really good and stuff. I, I I don't. There's very few, if any, of their movies that I have not liked. They have quite a, quite a few that I very have enjoyed watching. It's like it, it's like the title comes on Blumhouse Productions, and you're like, "Oh, this is going to be a good movie." <laughs> nice. So, I mean, before I go, I just want to let you know, um, we're all in New York here. So, one thing I want to know: you, where the filming locations for Friday Thirteenth is 
you know, for most of us, at least uh, Thomas and Randy and I, it's only maybe about a couple of hour drive from here in Hardwick, New Jersey, the real where they filmed the Camp Crystal Lake. And I don't know. You, uh, Kim, don't you send your kids to camp? <laughs> I send them to summer camp. Yeah, they usually go for a week each year. I mean, uh, like this year where we had COVID happening. But yeah, you know, there's summer camps on a nice big lake. <laughs> well, I got a camp that you should send your kids to. Camp Nobi Bosco. <laughs> Camp Nobi Bosco is the camp where um, it's in uh, where they filmed the Camp Crystal Lake. It's a heck of a name. <laughs> well, it was actually renamed a few, but now it's um, under that name. They renamed it a few uh, entire times. But um, the camp opened in 1927 and is owned by the Northern New Jersey Council and sits on the shores of Sands Pond at the base of Kidney Ridge on Route three uh, three eighty eight acres. It's a fully oh, it's a Boy Scout camp. <laughs> Never mind. Oh. <laughs> it's a Boy Scout camp. Well, you wonder. What? I was wondering if they still ran it as a real camp or not. <laughs> well, I can get my son into Boy Scouts. And say, you know, let's just send him there to that camp and see what happens. Oh, by the way, that's the that's the uh, Jason camp. I can see you doing that, man. I can see you going there with your son and being like, "Here you go, sweetheart. Look at you're gonna go to Boy Scout camp. I love you. Goodbye." Oh, by the way, this is where the Jason movies were filmed. Have a great week. <laughs> and prepare to spend lots of money on therapy, man. <laughs> no, I went. You know, I went to summer camp. I think you know all summer camps have those like. Where all the counselors create these legendary stories. I'm sure your kids have those legendary stories too that they remember. They just don't tell you. They just don't tell me. And I and I used to go to summer camp when I was younger too, so I I definitely know what you, you mean by that. So, but like I said, you know, we can always um, you know, for us, we can always just like to take those nice little filming location road trips and go. There's so many to document. We can have a new kind of series for a documentary, The Road to Horror. There you go. Do it. Let's do it. Let's do it. Let's patent it. <laughs> I'm ready now. Let's just get a camera. We'll, we'll start going when when the pandemic is over. We'll we'll just be going the road to horror, and we'll be filming going to where all those locations are. <laughs> yeah. I love it. That's a great idea. A nostalgia time original. <laughs> Who's in with me? <laughs> hey. Coming soon. We'll let you know. And to this, <laughs> so, so for the Friday the Thirteenth franchise, it's just one, uh, one of my favorite franchises. And to this, um, you know, I see a bright future ahead. I hope to see a new film come on. So as we select a toast to Jason, the most killing slasher film, uh, slasher of all time with one hundred eighty-one counts and kills. 
and counting. I don't think your kills are over yet because you want to know when someone's creeping. I know there's going to be a film that's like, I got to kill some more people. <laughs> to that, I want to thank for um, my Horror Month um, residences on here Thomas Puglisi and Kimberly Schwartz. It's been so much fun talking on, on this for our extended Horror Month. And I hope to have you on for all for my residences for Horror Week. I think it'd be great to keep this going for Horror Week each and every month. And also, yeah. uh, Kim, I am looking forward um, when you're going to be hosting Nostalgia Time. Um, mm -hmm. We're going to put this on. It's You're going to be hosting in January for Horror Week. We're going to be announcing that. And also... Um, with uh, your daughter, and your daughter's name is... Melanie. Melanie. They'll be co-hosting, and I'll be taking the side seat a lot. And hopefully, Thomas, you can join in with us, and Randy, you as well. <laughs> Can't wait. It's going to be a lot of fun. Yes. It's going to be so much fun. And um, we'll just be continuing on. So thank you all. Uh, also... Um, I want to thank Thomas Puglisi for coming on as well. It was a pleasure to be on. And also, Randy, thank you um, always to having you on. And also, please don't forget to check out Under the Radar, airing live on Manhattan Neighborhood Network. Yep. On the check Lifestyle Channel, Mondays at 11 a.m. So don't forget to watch it. I'm your host, Kid Champagne Matthew Haberman. Kid Champagne, signing off.